G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. As we do on a Monday at the start of a working week, like to touch base with the Australian Christian Lobby, check on this week's political agenda and of course uh, over the weekend, a major spotlight on what's been happening as developments after the US election for president last week. And uh, Martin Niles joining us. Martin, welcome back to 2020. G'day, Neil. Good to be back. Well, Martin, uh, no doubt you've been talking about this at length with everyone you come into contact with. The US media has endorsed Joe Biden as the winner, and it seems that world leaders are in agreement with that. Uh, Give us your impressions as to developments over the weekend. Well, it's very uh, chaotic, isn't it, Neil? I mean, uh, I have watched very closely the US election. I've watched uh, all of the things that have followed. And uh, Trump is saying that it's rigged and Biden is saying that he's president. The media are anointing him as president. Uh, the truth is no final outcome is yet known. This thing has a little ways to run yet. Um, the counting needs to finish for starters. And there are a couple of states where it could go either way. Although even if they did, I think Biden would win the, win the states on that basis. But Many of these states also require recounts because they do that when they are this close. Um, That could actually change the result in a state like Georgia, where it's a razor, razor thin. Uh, Again, unlikely, but a possibility. But the other thing is that the court cases that have been started need to run their course. And I've had a little look at some of those cases, and I think a couple of them could actually make an impact. Uh, And so there's a little way to go yet. Inauguration day is 10 weeks away. It's in late January, uh, and we'll see. But, uh, you know, people don't know what to think at the moment. Uh, And uh, I think that it's important that we understand how uh, the American public are feeling, how they got here, uh, you know, how it is that this sort of chaos arose and people are now saying it's rigged and other people are saying, get on, get on with putting Joe Biden in the job and all that kind of thing. I mean, you've got this situation in America where there were there were very high levels of confidence in the Trump base because of 2016, they thought, look, there's more of us than them. uh, And it doesn't matter about their polls, which are showing Biden 10 points up here and five points up there and 12 points up in the other place. Uh, You know, you've got to question the motives of those polls. Frank, I agree with that. You do have to question the motives of those polls because they're just so outrageously wrong. Uh, And he said, you know, they they didn't believe the media. Um, The media wouldn't report anything critical of Biden. They tried to suppress Social media, indeed, um, deleted assiduously any mention of, say, the Hunter Biden laptop scandal and things like that. But they thought, no, it's all right. This was all the case in 2016. We're going to show up and we're going to win this thing. And on election night, uh, that's what appeared to be happening. The Trump base appeared to have shown up. Uh, Michigan, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, Georgia, North Carolina, these swing states, they were heavily, heavily, heavily roaring towards Trump. Uh, you had a 10-point... Uh, he was up 13 points in Pennsylvania late in the evening. He was up sort of eight points in Michigan. This was, these were incredible leads. You know, these are the states that were going to decide the election. And everyone was rejoicing who was in the Trump base. And they went to bed that night thinking, wow, we've done it again. But they did observe that the media refused 
to call Trump states, but they called Biden states prematurely. And for example, it looks like Arizona could actually be reversed. But on the night, they called Arizona for Biden straight away. And yet you had a situation, say, in Florida, where 90-something percent of the vote was counted. Biden couldn't overtake Trump, but they wouldn't call it. And so it gave this impression of Biden being right up in the Electoral College votes and everyone who was just casually checking the coverage was seeing Biden was winning. He wasn't winning on the night. He just absolutely wasn't. Um, Trump was further ahead in more key states by a seemingly unassailable lead. Um, and I remember it was at that point that Biden came out and said, well, we expect to win. And I actually laughed at my TV. I thought, mate, that's a pretty bold thing to say at this juncture. You're on the ropes. Uh, and then Trump came out and said, you know, it's rigged uh, because the counting has stopped. And that was widely commented on the night that, that the counting had stopped for no apparent reason, that that was unusual, bizarre. It shouldn't be that way. Everyone was saying, why have they stopped counting in the swing states? Uh, this is weird. We're not getting any results. We don't know how this is going. Trump came out and said, something's up. Smell a rat. And he said, you better not find uh, a huge swag of blue votes at four o'clock in the morning. And blow me down, they found a huge swag of blue votes at four o'clock in the morning. Everyone woke up the next day and went, oh, good grief. Biden's ahead in all the states where Trump seemed to be ahead with absolutely unassailable leads. And so that explains why people are where they are. People are going, what in the world is this? And that explains why half of America does genuinely think right now that the election was rigged. Now, was it rigged? Look, don't know. It was all difficult. It is difficult to know. Um, and I, I think there's lots of instances of small-scale voter fraud. Everyone knows that. That's not a, a new, that's not a revelation. People know this. I've talked to an elections expert actually just yesterday who, who travels the world for this stuff. He said, look, everyone knows that in America they have small-scale voter fraud all over the place. You know, uh, you know, 20 dead people voted here. A bunch of ballots were chucked in the trash over there. Uh, someone modified 250 ballots over, over in the other place. But he said, you know, the point is, is, is it possible to perpetuate fraud on a level where you could change the results to this degree? Um, and you really need proof if you're going to make those allegations. And so far, it, it's challenging to, to, to pull that together. Um, I was very sceptical that it would be possible to pull off fraud of that scale. And so for me, I'm just saying, look, it was weird. And it might just be that the main ballots are all Democrat ballots. I, again, find that a bit dubious. But let's say that it's true. And that's actually what explains what we saw. They counted the in the on the in person vote first, then they counted the, the mail in ballots second, and that's just what we saw. Uh, and that's what they're saying. And it may be so. However, the Trump campaign have filed lawsuits, and I think the strongest one is in Pennsylvania. And I'd be very interested to see how it works out. They're alleging that their poll watchers, their scrutineers, were not allowed to the extent of in some cases being locked out of the building were not allowed to actually scrutinise at least 600,000 mail-in ballots in Pittsburgh and Pennsylvania. And they've got between 50 and 60 witnesses signed affidavits come forward to talk about it. I've seen videos of some of them. They're pretty fair dinkum. Uh, and that looks for real. And uh, election fraud happened in Pennsylvania before. That's well known. So I think that's their most muscular case. And they could actually, you know, with 600,000 votes, which is sort of Trump's lead on the actual night in question, uh, that's, a, that's a big case. So... I'd be watching that one. And as I said, they're saying over. <laughs> you know, no. We're going to wait and see. And the main thing is that whoever should win, should win. And if, if it's Biden, if he won fair and square, all right, more power to him and we'll see how it goes. But no one's doing this for partisan reasons. I'm saying this because I think it just needs to be, we need to let the processes run their course. 
And I imagine it's probably a good thing if there are issues and actions that are taken in the courts, because if there is corruption in the electoral system, then that's the way you weed it out, by examining those sorts of things in court. Uh, I imagine that's going to be a, a useful thing, and it would be the useful thing in any election. I think that's exactly right, Neil, and I think uh, that's just the problem. If you've got half the population who don't accept the outcome of the election, that's a real cancer in society. You know, that'll eat away and gnaw away at the fabric of society and, the, you know, the currents of resentment and all that. It's a very, very nasty thing. You have to bring things into the light. And, uh, look, if they just made a pig's breakfast of the way they counted the vote, well, OK, now they've got to face the music and have the court have a second look and go, look, they did make a big breakfast, but actually that's all it was. There's no corruption. Fine. People will be much happier if there's a full investigation and this is resolved over the next 10 weeks before Inauguration Day. And you're right, Neil. I think the main thing is that there's confidence in the system, uh, that we can prove that everyone's is proven to, to the public that, 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 that all is well. Uh, and that they can accept the outcome of the election, even if their candidate didn't win. And that's where I'm at. I'm very happy to accept the outcome of the election. I just want it to be a fair outcome. Let's talk about Australia in the mix here, because uh, our Prime Minister, Scott Morrison, has sent a congratulatory message to Mr Biden. And he's also included included in that message, uh, you know, talking on freedom of religion. That gets a special mention. What are your thoughts about the Prime Minister's message? Yeah, look, I think a lot of people are upset that the Prime Minister put the message out because they're saying, uh, you know, Biden hasn't officially won. And that's true. Uh, But what the Prime Minister's done is nothing unusual. It's a convention. You know, there is a point at which they say, look, we think we can call it now. And that's fair enough, based on the current way the votes have gone, the way the results have been reported. It looks like, you know, Trump can't win uh, at this stage unless a recount goes really weird. Um, And so it's completely normal convention for the Prime Minister to have done that. He would have done it if it was anybody. So I don't have a problem with that at all. Um, I think it's great to see that the Prime Minister actually mentioned freedom of religion in his tweet. It gives me great hope, actually, that the Australian government might, um, uh, over the coming months, put freedom of religion back on their agenda, because we remember it was knocked off the agenda with the outbreak of coronavirus. And so for, for Morrison to be very happy to raise that and mention it publicly gives me some hope that perhaps uh, he will go down the line of legislating for religious freedom, as he promised to do before the last uh, federal election here in Australia. So that's a great sign, I think. Interesting what comes out in congratulatory messages, uh, because you've got yes. Labor leader Anthony Albanese, who's also uh, passed on his congratulations to Mr Biden on the victory, and uh, and talking about record support for a progressive agenda. That word progressive agenda, it's, uh, it's you know, it's... Uh, description of the policy alignment there. What are your thoughts around uh, around the fact of a progressive agenda now likely to take front and centre on stage in the United States? Yeah, well, that's the problem, of course. Um, and I think a lot, a lot of people were more concerned about Trump's tweets than they were about his policies, which is a real shame, or even about Joe Biden's appearance than about his policies. Uh, One is a calm man, yes, one is a bombastic man, but they have very different policy agendas. And progressive is an interesting word. Uh, Progressive is a word that um, has been used a lot by parties who are, I think, uh, moving further left in this day and age. And what it basically means is it's something new. Uh, In other words, it's not a protection of, say, American values 
uh, of the American dream, of those basic freedoms that America has really believed in for so long, of the Christian ethic that has so thoroughly infused American society and policy and our presence on the world stage for such a long time. It's to take what is old or what they would call regressive, you know, in the past, and replace it with something completely new. And the concern, of course, of everybody is that something completely new is very much informed by a kind of Marxism. Uh, and I think that that is exactly right. It's a new, it's a new way of thinking about the world. And uh, that's not great because it's a move away from Christianity to something else. And I think you're going to see that in a lot of uh, Harris and Biden, uh, Biden-Harris policies. Uh, they are going to really champion abortion in a way that we've never seen. Uh, they're going to really react against the pro-life agenda of the Trump administration. Uh, they're going to erode religious freedom in favour of saying that you have to affirm and celebrate everything that you, you, you find disagreeable, particularly in the space of LGBT. Uh, they're going to uh, say that America is evil and that it needs to change. They keep talking about systemic racism and systemic oppression and systemic this. Basically, what that means is we need to destroy the system. We need to change our courts, we need to change our parliament, we need to change what we stand for, we need to get in God we trust off the currency. That's what progressive means. It's, 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 to, it's to upend the old and bring in the new. And the question is, it's all very well to say something new, something progressive, but what is it? Is it a good thing or a bad thing? That's what I want to know. Is it moral or immoral? Is it right or wrong? And I'd be very concerned that there's a lot in this new agenda that is, that is not good, is wrong. And so we've got to keep a close eye and fortunately, might I just add this, really fortunately, it looks as though uh, the Democrats haven't won the Senate. Uh, and so you will have a very muscular Republican Senate led by a very strong leader in Mitch McConnell. Uh, and I think that they will put the brakes on a lot of this radical stuff that I think that Biden and Harris might try and put through if they were on their own and had free power. But they don't. So that's a really uh, good thing that there is that balance. You have both sides working uh, and they've got to convince each other to get any policy through the parliament. So there's that great check and balance uh, on this. So it's not, uh, it's not all a disaster, but I, I, would, I would keep an eye out for that. Don't ask what is new and what is old. Ask what is right and what is wrong. Right and wrong. Those are the questions. Very telling. I don't know whether you caught the response of the Russian leader, Vladimir Putin. And uh, there's a short clip that I caught on his response uh, to Mr. Biden. Uh, he acknowledges Biden's Democratic Party is closer to the so-called values of the social democratic ideas. And it was from social democratic ideas that the Communist Party was evolved. So he was quite impressed with that. And he refers to the African-American movement for legitimate rights. And I imagine that's an inference there about Black Lives Matter being linked to the struggle of workers against the common enemy of imperialism and capitalism and suggesting that black Americans could become the most effective group in the future revolutionary battle. So from the sidelines, you've got, you've got communist leaders applauding what's happened there with Biden. I wonder whether that's any concern that you might hold. Anything along those lines? Without a shadow of a doubt, it's a concern. It's very interesting to hear, hear um, uh, Putin say it so clearly as that, because uh, he's just literally saying what we're all concerned about. But also, if you look at the Chinese yen, uh, their currency, it's gone absolutely through the roof. You know, it's, it's absolutely surged on the back of a Biden victory, because they know that Trump was there 
you know, in a sense, the Com- Chinese Communist Party knew that Trump was their biggest problem, that he wasn't going to let them get away with things, that he was always going to keep them constrained. He was going to be very muscular on the world stage and in the world of trade and all that. And really, they would, str- they, they would have struggled with a continuing Trump administration. Uh, and, and look, they're the biggest human rights, they're some of the biggest human rights abusers in the entire world. Uh, it's a very wicked regime that they've got there with persecution of religious minorities, the disappearance of Christians, etc. I mean, this is nasty stuff. It's really not funny. So my concern, actually, especially for Australia, too, is that China becomes more muscular, starts to beat its chest, starts to abuse human rights more. And then a Biden-Harris administration will go back to the old days of really doing nothing very muscular to stop them. Uh, And I think that's true. Uh, That's what most analysts are saying. Uh, And it's a shame. I don't like to see that that, that sort of sympathy uh, arise in Western countries. I think we've stood against that for a very, very long time, acknowledging and recognising that it's a very nasty path to go down, to start with that, uh, you know, really Marxist or communistic kind of social democracy, as they like to call it, um, that, that Putin has called out. And uh, I, I hope it's not a portent for the future. I think it's something to pray about. And that's why I am pleased that there is a split in power in America right now, because these sorts of... There are plenty of Democrats who are very radical on this stuff. And uh, we know that Biden... Uh, He's an elderly man. Uh, I don't know whether he will be around for a full two terms, and I don't know who would replace him if it was Harris, as if she stays vice president. That would be a real concern. And just quickly, running out of time, uh, mainstream media running with the narrative that Trump's refusal to concede defeat, as the media calls Biden's victory, is a sign that he won't leave the White House peacefully. You mentioned the inauguration isn't until uh, mid-January, about 20th of January. So uh, what are your thoughts about the the anti-Trump narrative that continues uh, beyond uh, the election, even when you've got this uh, declaration of victory for Biden? What are your thoughts about Trump and the way that he might leave office? I think he will leave office peacefully. Uh, I don't think that there's any concern there. I think that he is uh, beating his chest a little bit about what he... I think he's. I actually think he's fair dinkum. I think he thinks that something is up. Uh, whether or not he'll be able to prove it in court, who knows. And I find the media are always more concerned with Trump's manner than his substance. They're more concerned with how he says things than whether or not what he said is correct. They're more concerned with allegations of fraud than they are with actual fraud. They're always concerned with these appearances. They're always concerned with the surface stuff. They're never concerned with the substance of the issue. And that's why I made the difference before. You may have a calm person in someone like Biden, and you may have a bombastic person in someone like Trump. I'd love it if everyone was calm. Don't get me wrong. I mean, but we don't have that choice. Uh, And the problem is that Trump says stuff, and he's a blunt instrument, and he cuts through, and he can come off as quite... Uh, is really blunt and he can say things that that ruffle people's feathers. But the question is, is he onto something? That's what I want to know. I don't mind. Look, how he said it is one thing. What he said, the substance of what he's alleging is the really important thing here. Uh, And that's why the processes have to play out between now and inauguration day. And I think, look, if the processes play out and Trump is unsuccessful, he will go peacefully. I mean, he's he's not a demagogue. Uh, he'll go peacefully. And he, look, he may, he may run again in 2024. I wouldn't be surprised. OK, well, we have run out of time and there's plenty of things on an Aussie agenda we could have been talking about as well, but uh, very, very important issues that happen around the leader of the free world and relations between Australia and the US. Martin Isles, always such valuable comments. Uh, Martin is the Managing Director of the Australian Christian Lobby. Let me give the website, acl.org.au, and no doubt there'll be 
commentary and articles that listeners will be able to access on the ACL site that will reflect your comments and some of the issues that we've been sharing so far as Australia and relationship with the United States. Martin, thanks so much for joining us once again today on 2020. Thank you, Neil. Always a pleasure. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.